Well, good morning. Last week we talked and began this whole thing about the gifts exchange. The gift exchange. You know, we all know what that is like. We take and bring a gift and we give to someone else and they give something to us or there's a raffle in some families. I think this mic is going to die. I'm just going to end this. This series, I really like to discuss how we can take our things and exchange them to Jesus, and he gives us something new. And it's a lot like we talked about priming the pump. We can take whatever is true about us, whatever last night looked like, whatever the ride to car to the service looked like, whatever an addiction might look like, whatever your family situation might look like, that you can take it and pour it into the pump and just begin to prime the pump so that it would throw out the old and give you clean water. Now, last week we've, we spoke in 1 Peter uh, 5 and we discussed anxiety. And the gift exchange of anxiety and uh, we talked about it being rooted in pride. And the interesting thing is that pride, I is in the middle of pride, and I is in the middle of anxiety. And Peter said it something like this. If you humble yourself, if you humble yourself, then cast your anxieties on me. As Jesus, as Jesus talking, he's like, Humble yourselves, then cast. See the exchange there? Humble yourselves, which is giving the pride away, the eye away, that's humbling, and then taking the anxiety that I want to control it and placing it to God, and he exchanges that and gives us peace. He gives us peace. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to the book of Psalm. Psalm 147, please. And we're going to look at the first six verses. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. Focus on three. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars, and he gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord, and abundant in power, his understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble, but he casts the wicked to the ground. Or you see a resounding theme here. Go ahead and turn to, just leave it on verse three, please, up there. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. That is a promise. It's a promise to us. He heals. But it goes on, it says, the Lord lifts up the humble, but he casts the wicked to the ground. 
So you see an exchange going on here. We give him our pride or we, we access him by humility and then we receive healing. He heals us when we're brokenhearted and there's many in here, I would say if not all, who struggle from something that is breaking them. It could be a desertion. Someone's left you. And it's very painful. It could be a bereavement. You have lost somebody. And you've not received healing from that loss. It can be disappointment. When things didn't turn out like you thought they would. It can be defeat. When time and time again, maybe you fought the same battle over and over and over again. And you just need healing from it. I am coming, I feel like our church is in a season, I have to say maybe to narrow it down, I'm in a season of spending so much time looking at and studying the, the pains of my own life and, and the people that I meet that it astounds me. I would almost be bold to say that everyone brings pain into the equation. Everyone has a past, no matter how good your family might have seen or things might have seen on the outside, that there is something in there. Just yesterday, I was, uh, I was delivering packages in Baltimore, and it was a sight to see. I won't get involved in that, but um, people in the neighborhood were watching us go by and were astounded to see Santa Claus in the back of my pickup truck with a box of packages and two elves pop out of each side of the truck and delivering them. One of the, uh, one of the Santa Claus was my, my coworker. The other one was a coworker who's a driver. And when we were, had a little time alone, I asked him, I said, so, so tell me, where do you live? What, tell me about yourself. And in a very direct fashion, his head sort of was like this. And I was like, um, TMI? And he said, yeah. So it's okay. He was a newer driver. I don't know him really well. I've worked on him on the belt once, but I just like, okay, that's cool. So that was early on in the day, right? And so throughout the day, I'd mess with him and we'd joke and we were doing our thing, running all around, doing stuff, getting the packages delivered. Uh, again, people just going by and just like, what in the world is going on? Um, but we delivered that stuff. And by the end of the day, on the, on the ride home down Route 2 through uh, 97 or uh, through also Route 50 down towards the bridge, he began to open up. He began to share about his relationship with his father or the lack thereof. He began to share that he feels like his whole life has been running away from the pain of childhood. Now, my co-worker had, had uh, and he made this statement, and it sort of floored me. My, my co-worker works with him all the time. And he, and, he go, and he went and he said, and he said this guy's name, and he said, do you remember when I told you Happy Father's Day? So this young man 
considered my coworker like a father because he'd never had a real one. So a supervisor on the belt who's telling you what to do and joking with you and all that stuff was more of a father than the father this guy had and was dealt with. And what I began to see is I asked, he, became, he began to talk. TMI was no longer a part of the equation. He felt that there was trust there. And I just began to say, you know, I've been studying how much people struggle from their past. And they're trapped in it. And, it. and it begins to, it has so much effect to them. And yet when in the church life I hear things and I, I went on and I researched and I listened, I'm not going to say their names. I probably should. I probably should, but I'm not going to. I probably shouldn't, but I don't know. I'm not. But I watched some, some more uh, healing-based people talk about healing and how there should be no one on this earth sick because Jesus, by his stripes, we are healed. There, that none of us here should have any ailments. And I watched it, and I was just like, this guy was smooth. Talk far better than I can. And stands up there and just like, you know, you, you, we shouldn't have any problems. And my heart was grieved because I've known so many people who have hurt for uh, decades and who have different diseases and different family life pains that, 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 that they've wanted healing and it's not come in the fashion that this charlatan was selling it to them. Now, let me give you something that I say. I believe right now that Jesus can heal you instantaneously. I'm not saying that, that he can't. It was really odd because when we went to Albania, I have kidney disease. And we went to Albania, and this lady in this little town with no money was getting ready to get carted away three hours away for her kidney failure. And they asked me to pray for her. And I'm just like, you know, part of me is like, wait a minute, wait, what am I going to pray here? How am I going to do it? And... I've been gifted to have good people around me just to say, don't get caught up in all the ifs and buts sometimes. Sometimes you just pray for healing, and that's what I did, and I prayed for it, and the report came back as they found nothing in her kidney. It was good. And so instead of me instantaneously going, yeah, I was like, what? I mean, I was excited, but I'm like, I got two right here, Lord. They look pretty in the, in the, uh, in the, when you look at them, they look like pomegranates. They don't look like your, most of your kidneys. They, 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 they got pretty things on the outside of them. And I'm like, you know, internally, I'm like, why not me? There was a person who was here years and years ago who came up to me and said, Eric, you just need to believe it and it will be so. And so I know there's some of you like me that have had those problems and have had some certain people walk in your life and just say, God will heal that. It's guaranteed. And I'm like going, you maybe not like you think. So if you have your Bibles, open, open to 2 Kings, please. 2 Kings chapter 5, it will not be on the top. 
on the screen. So Psalms, it said that God is a God of healing. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, we find a man who desired healing. In verse 1, it says this, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Israel. I mean, sheesh. Oh, Syria, excuse me. I thought something was wrong there. King of Syria, in my head, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord has given great victory to Syria. So if you were to go back to my history, I'd go like Norman Schwarzkopf, okay? Norman, Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf won the whole desert storm thing, you know, and came in, four-star general. He won it all. Naaman was this man for Syria. He won it all. He walked tall. He looked good. He ought to be in Hollywood, right, Mike Wood? He looked good. He was standing tall. The king respected him. Everyone respected him. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. So you got a big man, then you got this little girl from Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were the prophet who is, would, were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of leprosy. Okay. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you to Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? He was scared. If someone, if you send somebody and say, hey, come to Eric, he's killed, healed kidneys before, I would be terrified because like, no, I haven't. I know someone who has, but it didn't happen for me. It happened for someone else. I'm glad it did, but you know, don't send them to me say, I can heal anybody because I can't, but I know somebody. Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to go cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. He thought this guy was setting him up. Verse 8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Now, my guess is Elisha didn't live in the high-end district. So imagine all these chariots rolling in. 
You know, and Naaman comes in with all this bling to bring, bags of silver and gold. And I can just hear Yukon North Cordelius, you know, singing silver and gold, silver and gold. Actually, Burl, I'm singing it. But anyway, uh, he's just singing this stuff. And he brings it in, and he rolls up to Elisha's house, Elijah's house, Elisha's house. Came with him, and Elisha sent a messenger to him. So just imagine, just imagine someone big coming up to your house. Max, you should come right up here, buddy. He's fine. And you send a messenger to them. Norman Schwarzkopf, for, for like my age people, you know, you go further. Whoever, you know, is a four-star that you know or a high general in whatever military branch comes up to your house and you send out a messenger. That's if you don't have time to talk to him. How would you feel if you were the high and mighty eyes? Put off, maybe? And so the messenger said to him, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry, and he went away saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord. You know when people get wound up? I'm gonna, he thought he was going to come up there and get wound up. I'm calling down fire. And this, this skin issue is going to be clean. And he's going to wave a certain amount of times, and all of a sudden, Naaman's going to be clear. Naaman's going to give him some money. He's going to have clean skin, and he's going to roll back to Syria and do his own thing again. When your heart is filled with pride, you try to write your own prescriptions. When your heart is filled with pride, you try to write your own prescriptions. Last week we talked about anxiety and anxiety as it's related to pride. We consider ourselves to trust ourselves more than we do God so we can get anxious about things we can't control, only God can control them. And so we have pride in our heart. Here we have Naaman who had pride in his heart. He was a big man. He was high ranking. He, was, he knew the king. He had access. And he went believing that this person can heal him. Verse 11 again, but Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought. Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord and wave his hands all over the place and cure the leper. What do we see about Naaman? He thought. Some of you might have thought that your addiction or your struggle or your pain from the past, that God would, would wave his hand and boom, be done, and everything would be right and you live happily ever after. Oftentimes, we think 
the I comes in, I thought, instead of God said, I thought that it should be this way. I thought that my life should look like this. I thought that I should be healed like this, God. I don't care what you have in mind, but I think it should be like this. And I know you've all done it. How do I know? I know me, and therefore I know you. What if God wants to heal you in a process and not the moment? What if God wants you to go through a process and not just instantaneously take care of all the issues that you bring in? What if God wants you to humble yourselves and do it his way and obey his process? Naaman came and he wanted his skin clean. Now it's weird because I've got this stuff that's all over my arms. And I want it gone. I'm, I'm seriously, I've got this stuff and in summertime, especially if I go on a boat and go fishing, it glows, it looks like I have the measles. But I, you know, he wanted this leprosy, which is far worse, to be taken off. He wanted his skin fixed, but God wanted his heart fixed. We typically want the quick fix. Hey, we're Americans. We have that society. We, we shop Amazon. Some of you right now are probably, instead of having your Bible app open, have your Amazon thing, seeing if it's being delivered on a Sunday. Side note, we had this lady, the driver gave us a, a package for one street. She, we signed for it and it said delivered. I'm coming out the house two minutes later. She's on the phone with UPS going, her package isn't there. I'm like, this is your package. She said, but it said it was there two minutes ago and I'm here filing a complaint. And I'm like going, it's here now. You know, here it is. But we just want it now, right? I mean, I see people looking out. They were coming out looking for that minute package. And I want to make fun of them, but I do the same thing. <laughs> I'm real upset if it doesn't come UPS, because if it comes UPS, I can grab it in the morning. I get access. A little, little bit like naming. I know people. Some of you have asked for access. Anyway, not <laughs> So what do you do? Naaman was angry and went away. And I'm sure some of you experienced this, that you heard maybe a great message from a great preacher, and you responded, and you came forward. It was like, I want to be done with this. I want it to be healed. I want this pain gone. And it didn't just happen. Bam! It wasn't just Instapot. You're ready to go when you come home. It didn't happen. And what do we do? It didn't happen in our timing. We do what? We go what? We go away. Now she wants to preach. Now Max is jealous. <laughs> Got competition. Oftentimes, if you go home angry and go away, you are not willing to be humbled. 
If you go away and God doesn't do it the way you want, if you don't want to act according to his promise, we just often go away and it's like, in essence, I don't want to be humbled. I don't want to depend on someone else. I don't want the pain anymore. And many of us have lived by that. It's far easier to go away sometimes than it is to stay through the process. Far easier. And he responds again, Are not Abana and Farfar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could not I wash in them and and be clean? God, can't you do it this way? Those are cleaner waters. So he turned and went away in a rage. Now, let me acknowledge, I have been angry with God before. I have been in the process, and I thought I was doing a pretty good job of it, and it didn't go my way, and I got angry. The question is, can you stay in the process until you find healing? But Naaman had some good people with him, but his servants, verse 13, came near and said to him, my father is a great, uh, my father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He, has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. I'm Naaman. I don't want to do it God's way. I don't want to go to that dirty water. I didn't want to walk through the process. Some of you know me long enough to know, know a lot of what I'm talking about. I'm pretty open. I didn't like the way that God brought me through it. I didn't like the muddy water. And so probably many times on the third dip, I said, forget this mess, I'm done. Because I don't think it happened the first time. I don't think it's progressive, one dip. Oh yeah, two dips, three dips. What if Naaman had stopped? What if we stop going through the process that God has in store before the seventh dip? Naaman came for something, but he left with a lot more. Naaman came for physical cleansing, but I think he got a spiritual revelation. Many times it can be said, great ills and great pain and difficult situations can lead to great mercy. I have known many of you for so long now, and I have watched the difficulties. And I think that God is looking at us so many times, and he's like, don't write your own prescriptions, little child. 
Don't try to do it your way. Your way doesn't work. You don't have control. The eye of pride comes in. The eye of anxiety comes in. Really, the eye and pain comes in. That these eyes come in. It's like, I, I, I can control this. I can handle it. This guy said yesterday in my truck, he's like, no big deal about his father. No big deal, man. I can sort of, I can deal with it. I can deal with it. I'm, and I turned around, and I was distracted driving. I turned around to my back seat, and I said, no, no. That hurt you, and I'm so sorry for that. I think he's lived long enough to know that he's that life brings pain, and that's okay, and he just sort of puts his head down and keeps going. The older I get, the more I walk through the process of dipping myself in a muddy river and trusting God through it, the more I can begin to see the people who are beginning the journey going up to the prophet's house. Naaman thought too much of himself, and frankly, we think too much of ourselves. God has created us, and he's given us every blessing according to his riches and mercy in Christ Jesus, but we have not gone oftentimes through the process. So let's say it positively. Let's go through his process. Let's trust him for our healing. Let's know our healing might look differently than what we think it should. Let's trust that his prescription will work, that ours will probably fail. Let's trust him to be in discipleship with other people and to walk the narrow road in trusting God and walking with him. Let's trust the fact that there are people we can share our hurts with who aren't going to make fun of us, who aren't going to go, you just need to suck it up and drive on. You need to tough it out there. Let's just trust the fact that we are broken people that are being fixed and cleansed by a holy God. He's given us hope of Christmas. He's given us the opportunity to say, Alleluia. Alleluia. Let's trust his prescription and not our own. Folks, God wants us to be healed. Now little Max wants to be healed. <laughs> He wants us to be healed. Man, getting old, thanks. Y'all old enough, you know what I just meant there. Donna's praying for a job right now. <laughs> you know what this is? What's it called? Band-Aid. If we could see a spiritual picture right now, and I'll put it more intimately, If you'd have seen me in the past two years, spiritually, I think you'd have seen a bunch of Band-Aids 
all over my body. I'm a prideful guy. And God is saying to you, no more Band-Aids. There is no quick fix. Yes, I do provide healing, and he does, he does a wonderful work for us in certain situations in his time and his sovereignty. But the Band-Aids of our life need to be pulled off. This morning, I would ask you to consider as we come to communion in a moment how many band-aids you've got in your life right now. How many times you and I have tried to fix with all the best intentions of the world. I'm not downing you. I'm, in, I'm, I'm owning it with you. That we tried to just put it on, no big deal, I can handle it. I've got this. Or even sometimes callously say, God's got this, and we really don't mean it. I've given it to God. I've given it to God, and yet, you know, we're still putting Band-Aids on. I've given it to God. I showed up in church on Sunday. I got another Band-Aid on. I've given it to God. I got a Band-Aid on. I've given it to God. We might have given something to God, but we might not have given him our obedience and our trust and allowed him to humble us. Bring your band-aids this morning to the throne. Acknowledge whatever it is that hurts because it does hurt. Acknowledge whatever pride is there because it is there. It always roots its ugly head up, always. And humble yourself before God. Jesus came to heal us and to sanctify us and to make us more like his son. Please stand as we come. There's always a challenge that communion becomes rote. It becomes an exciting time that we know that it's the end of the service and I'm getting out of here and doing whatever it is I'm going to do. Jesus came not to put Band-Aids on, but to give us a new heart. And that's why we thank him when we come. That's why we trust him when we come. Trust him with your Band-Aid this morning. Bring the whole pack before him. Strip them off and put them before, and metaphorically speaking, just put them down at the communion table and take the gift exchange of his body and his blood, which was shed for us. Father, as we come, I pray, Lord, that you would heal us. 
Lord, individually write prescriptions today for us. God, that we might walk in newness of life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.